Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 to 66, and Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Let us listen to the word of God. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. You crazy knuckleheads for getting up at 6 a.m. or earlier than 6 a.m. being here. But thank you for joining, for getting up early uh, to celebrate our risen Savior. Um, if you would, uh, please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for being with us. May we encounter your Holy Spirit, open our hearts to you. May you speak through me. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as some of you may know, I teach fifth grade over at Santa Fe Springs Christian School. Uh, obviously, in a private Christian school, we get to talk about faith freely. And throughout the school year, um, we have been going through or reading through a Lectio Divina uh, called the My Start Journal. Uh, some of my students read with attentiveness uh, and have great questions, while others are a bit more reluctant to dig deeply. The questions that my kiddos have and their willingness to jump in and learn is rare for most 11 and 12 year olds. Earlier this year, one of my students ran up to me on a Monday and she was so excited to share that she had just been baptized the day before. I'm convicted by this faith-filled excitement. I'm not sure about you, but sometimes I go through a day or a week, maybe a month, and I feel a disconnect with my faith. I'm constantly reminded each morning as my kiddos and I go through scripture how vital it is to be connected to Christ and his word. Over the past couple weeks, my students and I have been reading through Matthew's account of the resurrection story. As we read through, I recognized a pattern, a pattern to pray, hope, and prepare. As we see this in the Jewish religious leaders and Jesus. My question for all of us is this, how and why should we pray, hope, and prepare? We see at the end of Matthew 27 how the Jewish leaders were preparing. In verse 62, it says, literally the day after the day of preparation, they continued to scheme and plan to do whatever they can to prevent Jesus' resurrection. 
In verses 65 and 66, Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting the guard. We can infer that they were praying, not really sure who they would be praying to, as Rome was a polytheistic civilization, that they were doing the right thing. And they hoped that Jesus was not who he said he was. All of what they wanted was not aligned with God's plans. They wanted to have things go their way. Jesus knew of his impending death and resurrection. Throughout his earthly ministry, he would go away from the crowds and the disciples to pray. In his final hours, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. It is here where he hoped and asked his Heavenly Father to let this cup pass from me. Even while knowing what was to come, Jesus struggled. But he also prayed for his Father's will to be done. He prepared the disciples by eating with them one last time and allowing the events of his arrest and crucifixion to go through. They were still confused and angry, but Jesus knew the plans to come. Finally, in Matthew 28, we see Christ's resurrection become real. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary hear from the angel to tell the disciples. They meet, they meet Jesus, and he says to tell his brothers to meet him in Galilee. In verse 16, all 11 disciples go to the mountain where Jesus said he would meet them. Verse 17, those, the some who doubted were probably not the 11. Mosquito, that's not distracting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in verse 17, the some who doubted were probably not the 11, but rather others in a broader group that followed Jesus. In verse 18, we hear from Jesus that he has authority over heaven and earth, showing his deity, his divine rule. Jesus gives his final instructions, what we call the Great Commission in verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The disciples are to baptize and teach while also continuing to be transformed into Christ-likeness. Jesus promises to be with them always. The InterVarsity Press New Testament commentary says, Finally, the narrative teaches us about our mission. Most significant in this passage because Jesus has all authority, because he is king in the kingdom of God, disciples must carry on the mission of teaching the kingdom. Jesus' instructions include an imperative, a command, surrounded by three participle clauses. One should make disciples for Jesus by going, baptizing, and teaching. Making disciples involves more than getting people to an altar. It involves training them as thoroughly as Jewish teachers instructed their own students. Most of modern Christendom falls short on this count. So we know the good news. Jesus took on our sins. He became our substitute on the cross, paying the price of death that we were supposed to pay. As promised, he rose again three days later, defeating death and granting humanity eternal life through himself. This is the good news. I gave my students the opportunity to write an acrostic poem about Easter. 
In case you do not know, an acrostic is a piece of writing in which a particular set of letters, typically the first letter of each line, word, or paragraph, spells out a word. Only five of them wanted to do so, and one of them, we'll call her Anna, wrote a beautiful poem that stood out the most. I, I asked her for permission to share it, and she wrote the following. E. Everything about Easter, I love it so. Jesus died for our sins on the cross years ago. A. As many years ago, it is the same story, and it went down in history. S. So by dying on the cross for our sins, he then rose again. T. Time has passed still the same. He is always king. E. Every day we celebrate on, on Easter for God gave us everything. R. Remember the Lord and what he did. Praise him forever. What a response to the gospel. And going back to the question for each of us, how and why should we pray, hope, and prepare? We do so by fulfilling the Great Commission. It is not just for the 11 disciples back then. It is for followers of Jesus. It is for each one of us as believers to respond to this command. It is our response to, to respond. This is, sorry. It is for each one of us as believers to respond to this command. It is our response to the gospel. We pray, we hope, we prepare. We pray. We pray not only because that is what Christ did, even though that is reason enough. We pray because that's how we connect with God. We continually give our lives over to him. However, we should not dismiss that sometimes we are like the Jewish leaders of Jesus' time. We pray for the things that we want, things that will be fulfilling to us, or we ask for pleasures of this world, including worldly ambitions. We should be praying to align our will with God's will. We ask for forgiveness when we sin. We ask God to grant us a heart of repentance, turning from sin. We ask God for conviction to proclaim his word and gospel to the ends of the earth, putting others before ourselves. Maybe you need to be asking God how you can serve your neighbor in your apartment complex that lives above you that runs around as if they are in a marathon. Maybe that's just me. Sorry. That's... In all seriousness, ask God how you can be a humble servant to those around you that may be hard to love. We hope. We hope in the return of Jesus. He will come with a new heaven and a new earth, reestablishing his kingdom his kingdom reign over all his creation. We hope in the authority of Christ, over nature and nations, over disease and demons, over sin and death, over our lives and every life. God can do with our lives as he sees fit. We are to obey his calling. Why are we to make disciples? Because Jesus has authority over every life. We are made in his image and he wants us reconciled to him. You may have heard the phrase that every believer should have a Barnabas and a Timothy, just as the Apostle Paul did. Someone who mentors you and someone that you are a mentor to. Are you being mentored? Who are you mentoring? This is how you can be discipled and make disciples. Find those people in your life. We prepare. We prepare for Christ's return. We prepare by going out into our everyday lives and sharing the good news. For some of us, that may be going out to the unreached people groups of the world, 
two exciting notions come with the command to make disciples. First, we get to be a part of God's story, proclaiming Christ's life, burial, death, and resurrection. Second, we know Christ is with us through his Holy Spirit. We do not go through life on our own power, rather entrusting in the power of God. He will equip us for whatever we may face. We can prepare by studying God's word in a Bible study or small group. Get involved with outreaches. Maybe it's serving with his picnic or handing out blessing bags. Through these ministries, we share God's goodness. We pray, we hope, we prepare. I'd like to close with a great summary and a commentary from David Platt. We know that obedience to the Great Commission will not be easy, and we know it will be costly, but we also know that it will be worth it. Jesus will return and his reward will be infinitely greater than any cost we have paid. So together, let's hope in the promise of his return for us. The kingdom of our Lord Jesus will one day be fully and finally established, and we will see his face. We are living and longing for that day. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Pray with me. Lord God, thank you for your word. As we long for your return, may we go about our lives holding to your truth, praying for oneness with you, praying that you use us as you see fit. May we hope in your promise of your return. May we prepare by sharing your good, miraculous, wonderful news. We thank you for Easter and for allowing us to be on mission with you. All this we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.